0: This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Need basic information on legal rights on topics like employment, consumer or tenancy issues? Then join Luke and Julia on Lawfully Speaking, next on Plains FM 96.9. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Lawfully Speaking with Luke. Um, today we're going to be talking about harassment and bullying. Um, specifically, we're going to be talking about legal steps you can take under the civil law, so this is non-criminal law, to deal with various kinds of harassment, bullying, or intimidation. So we're this is going to kind of include us talking about harassment by strangers um, in the community through things like stalking you or sending you threatening letters, A little bit later on, we'll be talking about um, cyberbullying, which is where you're harassed through text, emails, or online posts. Um, We'll also be talking about serious cases of harassment or bullying can amount to a criminal offense, um, and then that's the point at which you can lay a complaint with the police. So we're going to be talking now about harassment in the community and getting protection under the Harassment Act. So if you've been harassed by a stranger or someone else in the community, you can take action against them under the Harassment Act 1997. Um, You can apply to the district court for a restraining order against the harasser, and the most serious cases, you can go to the police. Um, Harassment covers a wide range of behavior, including things like stalking, abusive phone calls, uh, threatening letters. And the Harassment Act recognizes that behavior that might seem innocent or trivial on its own might amount to harassment when seen uh, in the context. When you take action under the Harassment Act, you have to show first the behavior amounts to harassment. Um, So, within the meaning of the Act, um, it meets the test for obtaining a restraining order under civil law um, parts of the Act, or it meets the higher test for criminal harassment. Um, So, we're just going to note here that the Harassment Act doesn't apply when the person harassing you is someone in your family or a domestic relationship. Um, This is covered instead by the Family Violence Act. So, again, just to be really clear, if it's someone that you're in a relationship with or if it's a family member... Um, and the harassment is coming from them. Specifically, this is going to be dealt with by the Family Violence Act. Um, How can the Harassment Act help? Um, So if you're being harassed, you can apply for a restraining order from the district court under the civil harassment parts of the act. The Harassment Act also makes um, the most serious types of harassment a criminal offense, uh, whether or not you've already been granted a restraining order or not. In those cases, you can complain to the police. And if the araster is convicted, that would be um, facing uh, jail for up to two years. So we're going to just talk about restraining orders um, just a little bit later on. Um, a person's behavior can amount to both criminal and civil harassment in both situations. You can both complain to the police and also apply to the district court for a restraining order, just to be clear. they're not um, They're not mutually exclusive. So what is a restraining order? A restraining order is a legal order granted by the district court um, under the Civil Harassment Parts of the Harassment Act. The order makes it a criminal offense for the harasser to contact you in any way or do things like watching or hanging around outside your home or following or stopping you in the street or doing anything else that would make you um, or a reasonable person fear for their safety. So basically this is the kind of, um, you know, there, there's a there's a behavior that we're not exactly um, thrilled about, so to speak, and this is going basically in a court order to stop any sort of behavior. Um, the order also makes it illegal for the raster to threaten to do any of those things or to encourage someone else to do any of those things to you. Um, so again, I couldn't, um, you know, Sam Sam harassing someone, I couldn't simply just ask someone else to harass them for me. It, that that behavior would be... Um, would be um, ceased as well so just having a restraining order made against them doesn't give the harasser a criminal record however it's a criminal offense if they breach the order and this will give the person a criminal record in this way a restraining order is similar to a protection order under the family violence act if the criteria for restraining order are met an order can be made against any person um But there are some exceptions, specifically, too. So an order can't be made against a child that is someone under 17 years old unless they're married or in a civil union or a de facto relationship with their parents' permission. An order can't be made against someone who uh, you are or have been in a family or domestic relationship with. In these cases, you may be able to apply again for a protection order under the Family Violence Act. So, something else we can do is complain to the Human Rights Commission about sexual or racial harassment. If you're sexually or racially harassed in one of the areas of life covered by the Human Rights Act, you can complain to the Human Rights Commission. For example, if you're racially harassed by a shopkeeper or sexually harassed by your landlord, sexual or racial harassment in the workplace is also covered by the Human Rights Act. But in those cases, you have the option of taking personal grievance under the Employment Relations Act as well, or instead of going to the Human Rights Commission. So now that we've talked about what you can do about harassment, we're going to talk about um, what specifically counts as harassment, so how it's defined in the Harassment Act. So before you get to the question of whether specific behavior meets the test for getting a restraining order, you first have to show that behavior amounts to harassment, Um, It's it's defined, um, there must be basically both of the following things present. The type of behavior set out in the harassment act and a pattern of behavior, not just a one-off incident. So step one, is it the type of behavior that can amount to harassment? These are the types of acts or incidences that can amount to harassment. So just kind of go on a little bit of a list here. So. Watching, hanging around, or blocking access to or from your home or workplace or any other place you regularly or often visit. Following, stopping, or confronting you. Coming into your home or onto your property or interfering with your home or any of your things. Contacting you either by phone, letter, email, or text or both Um, or through social media sites or apps like Facebook or or in any other way. Um, so giving you offensive material or leaving where you'll find it or somewhere else um, where, or so, where someone else uh, will give it to you or bring it to your attention. This includes posting offensive pictures or other material online. So doing anything else that makes you fear for your safety and that would make a reasonable person in your situation fear for their safety. This includes where the harasser does the thing to a member of your family rather than to you directly. In, in order to target you, and even if that family member doesn't, in fact, fear th- fear for their own safety in that situation. So te- step two, is there a pattern of behavior? It won't be harassment if the person just does something once, like sending you a single text. There has to be a pattern of a behavior which can be either of the following two things. Twice in one year. So there will be a pattern if a person does any of the things listed above um, Twice or more, or more than once within 12 months, if it doesn't have to be the same kind of thing each time. So, for example, the raster might first confront you outside your home, and then a week later, leave an abusive note in your letterbox. Again, uh, not necessarily the the pattern is not specific to the behavior; it's just um, to how often it happens. So, a continuing act. Um, there also might be a pattern if the person does any any of the things listed above as one continuing act over a period of time. So, for example, if you post abusive comments about you online and then leave them there, that could be a pattern. So, there's harassing you indirectly through your family, which we mentioned above. So, it will also be harassment... Um, have you, if any of the different acts that make up the pattern of harassment are done to your family members rather than to you directly, in order to harass you? So, for example, if the harasser sends a letter to your teenage daughter, knowing this will upset you, uh, that can count as a as a as part of a pattern. So, when can a restraining order be made? That's what we're going to talk about next. So, to be able to make a restraining order, the judge must be satisfied satisfied of the following things. So first, they need to know that the behavior amounts to harassment, which means a pattern of behavior over the kind described. The behavior is causing you to stress or threatening to do so and would have the same effect on a reasonable person in your situation. The stress is serious enough to justify the judge making a restraining order, and the order is necessary to protect you from further harassment. So the test for getting a civil restraining order is about the effect of the behavior on you, the person being harassed. It's not about what the harasser intended. You only need to show the harasser caused you distress, and that any reasonable person would have been likely to have found it distressing. It's not necessary for the harasser to have intended to cause you distress. In fact, they could be even unaware you find the following behavior distressing. By contrast, the test for criminal harassment focuses on the harasser's intention. So what kind of proof will the judge need and how much? So you'll need to provide the judge with information to prove that you have been the victim of harassment and that you need a restraining order to protect you. The judge can consider a broad range of evidence, including evidence that wouldn't normally be allowed in other court cases. If the judge believes in the interest of justice, um, it it must be um, basically done to allow that evidence. So you need to prove your case on the balance of probabilities. In other words, um, your case must be more likely than not to be true. So what does a restraining order do? A restraining order makes a criminal offense for the harasser to contact you in any way or to do things like watching or hanging around around outside your home or following you or stopping you in the street or doing anything else that makes you um, or a reasonable person fear for your safety. So the order also makes it illegal for the raster to threaten to do any of those things or encourage one of their friends or any other person to do one of those things to you. So if the order has been made because of a continuing act of harassment, it's a condition of the order that the raster must take reasonable steps to stop this from continuing. So, for example, if the raster had posted offensive material about you online, they'll have to take the offensive material down. There are special conditions for restraining orders, so when a judge makes a restraining order, they can also add any special conditions that they think are reasonable uh, uh, to protect you. Um, For example, requiring the harasser to stay away from a particular public place that you regularly visit. The judge can specify how long the special condition will last for. If they don't specify this, the condition lasts for as long as the restraining order lasts. So, protection from... um, Others who've been encouraged to harass you. So again, if the harasser has encouraged another person to harass you, a restraining order can also make it um, can, can also be made against the other person. This other person is called an associated respondent. The conditions of the restraining order apply to the associated respondent just as they do to the main harasser. So, when does the restraining order first take effect? So, if a judge grants a restraining order, it takes effect straight away, and from the point the harasser must be made to obey the conditions of the order. However, the harasser can't be charged and prosecuted for any breach of the order until they've been served with the order. Um, That basically means that they've been given that order personally. Uh, This will be done by either a court bailiff, uh, a private process server, or the police hand delivering a copy of that order to them. A copy of the order will also be given to you and to the local police station. So how long does a restraining order last for? A restraining order can be made for as long as the judge thinks it's necessary to protect you. If the judge doesn't specify a particular period, the order lasts for one year. If the judge does specify a period for the order, this can be later extended if this is necessary to protect you from the harasser. Either you or the harasser can apply for the restraining order to be ended or discharged before um, it is due to end. So the judge will need to be convinced that the order is, again, no longer necessary. So now we're going to be talking about breaches of restraining orders. What kinds of behavior will breach the restraining order? So unless, unless the harasser has a reasonable excuse, it will be a breach of the restraining order and a criminal offense if they don't follow the conditions of the order or if they act in a way that's inconsistent with the order. It will therefore be a criminal offense for the harasser to contact you in any way or to do things like watching you hanging around outside your home or following you or stopping you in the street again or doing anything else that gives you a reasonable fear for your safety the order also makes it illegal for the harasser to threaten to do any of those things or to encourage again any other person to do any of those things as well as being charged with breaching or restraining order the respondent can also be charged with any other criminal um offense committed at the same time, such as assault, theft, or misuse of a telephone. So what's the penalty for breaching a restraining order? Um, if the harasser breaches the restraining order, they can be jailed for up to six months or fined up to $5,000. However, they can be jailed for up to two years if they've already been convicted twice in the last three years of breaching a restraining order made to protect you. This heavier penalty applies whether the earlier conviction related to the same restraining order or or to a separate restraining order made to protect you. So now we're going to be talking about cyberbullying. Um, so these are specifically protections against online digital harassment. Um, so the basis of these protections are going to come from the Harmful Digital Communications Act 2015. Um, basically, it set up special processes um, you can use if you've been harassed or bullied through text, emails, websites, apps, or social media posts. The aim is to provide a relatively quick and easy way for harm to be reduced, including by getting a harmful posts or messages taken down or disabled, uh, while at the same time giving people appropriate room for freedom of expression. And I have a balancing of uh, two different types of considerations here. So one of the features introduced by this act is a special complaints and mediation agency. Uh, this is called NetSafe. The Internet Safety Organization has been appointed to play this role. If going to NetSafe doesn't fix the problem, you can apply to the district court. The judge can do things like order the harmful post to be taken down or order the person uh, person responsible to publish a correction or an apology. The act also establishes a number of specific principles to guide online digital behavior. So NetSafe and judges have to take these principles into account when they're dealing with claims that someone is being cyberbullied. So the 10 principles for online digital behavior. So the Harmful Digital Communications Act sets out um, these principles to apply to text, emails, online posts, um, and they basically just call them digital communications. So NetSafe as a cyberbullying complaints agency is supposed to take these principles into account when it's considering a, a complaint. If complaining to NetSafe doesn't solve the problem and you decide to take your complaint to the district court, the judge will also have to take these principles into account. So the principles say that digital communications that are sent to you or are about you should do you or any of the following things. Give out sensitive personal information about you. Be threatening, intimidating, or menacing. Be grossly offensive as judged by any reasonable person in your position. Be indecent or obscene, be used to harass you, make false claims about you, contain information or material that had given um, to someone else in confidence, encourage other people to send you a message for the purposes of causing you harm, encourage you to kill yourself. put you down, uh, degradate you on the basis of your color, race, ethnicity, or national origin, religion, gender, sexual orientation, orientation, or disability. Other laws that can be used against cyberbullying. The protections in the harassment act have sometimes been used in cases of online harassment. The act allows you to apply to the district court for a restraining order to stop the harassing behavior. Um, and we kind of covered that a little bit in earlier sections. The Harassment Act covers harassment and inti- intimidation across a wide range of different forms, whether it's through text, emails, or online posts, or through face-to-face harassment, stalking, or letters. And again, this is the kind of um, uh, the information we just dis- discussed er- earlier. So kind of this is a more specific act, um, specifically tailored to... Um, basically digital communications, the ones we receive online, and and those principles are directed at the behavior in that context. So we'll just briefly talk about dealing with cyberbullying yourself. So some options for resolving problems on your own. So if you want, you can start to to address the issue by trying to deal with the problem through some of the above options. So asking them to stop, um, kind of seems quite obvious, but you can tell the person that if they don't stop or otherwise fix the problem, you'll complain to the people who host the material. So for example, if the person is posting abusive comments about you on Facebook, warn them that you will complain to the site's administrators and that they might end up getting banned from using Facebook. You can block them. So for example, blocking their incoming phone calls or unfriending them on Facebook or blocking them on Twitter or Trade Me could be an appropriate first step. Um, and practically the easiest way of preventing that harmful material from from reaching you. Uh, Complaining to the online host. So you may be able to get to the relevant social media site, app, host, phone company, or other online host to remove the material or take some other action to fix the problem. So since July uh, 2015, the Harmful Digital Communications Act has provided incentives for all these online contact hosts to set up complaint processes that are effective and easy to access. So we'll just talk about complaining to the website, phone company, or online host just a little bit more. You can make a written complaint with the online host yourself, or you can ask NetSafe as the cyberbullying complaints agency to make the complaint for you on your behalf. So NetSafe can also give you advice and help um, kind of guide you through, um, and give you information about what you can, uh, include in your complaint. So your complaint should be in writing, um, and generally give your contact details, include a physical address, identify the particular material so the host can locate it easily, um, potentially also say why you think the material, um, you're complaining about either breaches the community's, um, notifications principles, um, It could uh, be unlawful because, for example, it includes false statements that are defamatory. Um, Also, you could say whether you agree to the host identifying you when they pass on your complaint to the person responsible for the material. So the complaint's process. So, again, since uh, July 2015... The Harmful Digital Communications Act has encouraged all people or organizations that host online content to provide their users with complaints processes that are effective and easy to access. The online content hosts covered by the act include phone uh, companies, media companies, internet service providers, and also all people who run websites, social media pages, online forums, and blogs on which other people can post comments, pictures, or videos. So the incentives the Act provides is that these online hosts can protect themselves from legal responsibility for material posted by other people if the host follows the complaint's process set out by the Act. These protections are sometimes called safe harbor. Um, They will, for example, protect a website operator from being sued for defamation if a user posts false statements about someone. So to benefit the safe harbor protections, an online content host must um, provide an easy accessible way for people to complain about content such as simple uh, as a simple button or other clear link on the host website and also once a complaint is made they must follow steps explained below to include the relevant time limits um, so we're just going to talk about what are the steps the host to follow if they want legal protections so these are steps the online Um, host has to follow if they want to be protected from legal responsibility they have 48 hours to send a copy of your complaints to the person responsible for the post if they can't contact the other persons after making reasonable efforts for example if they can't find out who the person is who the responsible person is the host has to remove the content within 48 hours after receiving the complaint If the person who's responsible the post is contacted successfully, they can respond to your complaint within 48 hours and say whether or not they agree to the material being taken down. If the person who's responsible does agree to their post coming down, the online host has to take it down as soon as practicable. If the person responsible doesn't agree to it being taken down, the material stays where it is unless and until you're able to get it removed later, for example, by a court takedown order. If the person responsible doesn't respond within 48 hours after getting the copy of your complaint, the host has to take down the material again as soon as practicable. So that's brought us to the end of our time on um, this topic. Hopefully it's given us a good guide on where to go and how to deal um, with bullying, whether it be in person or online. Um, These issues can often um, create a lot of anxiety um, and are kind of difficult to, to deal with, even at bestest times with good support um, groups around us. So it's, it's just important to know that these are your legal rights, and it can be good to, um, you know, enforce them to make sure that you feel safe or encourage other people who you feel like are being um, bullied to, to go about putting some of these, um, some of these uh, mechanisms in place. Um, again, thank you all so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Cheers.